0: Enjoyed that good singing, didn't you? All of it's going on today. It's been a blessing. The choir did a wonderful job and the specials and everything. I've enjoyed being here. It's good to be back at the Parkview Baptist Church. Thank you for the invitation to come. Good to be with my friend, Preacher Brown. And uh, we love the Browns and thank the Lord for them. And good to be with the Kendricks and all of you. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. And uh, I got in a little bit late last night because I spent most of the day with my grandson. Did I mention I'm a papa? I I guess I did. But anyway, if you'd like to see pictures, i got about 15,000 of them now, if you're interested. We're going to be in the 23rd chapter of the book of Luke. Thank you, dear brother, for that wonderful message this morning in the Sunday school hour. That was a great blessing to my heart. And I do remember when, amen, do you remember when? (laughs) When you were saved, when you trusted Christ as your Savior. Somebody said, well, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't always been a Christian. You were born a sinner. and There had to be a time when you received the Lord as your Savior, repented of your sin, received the Lord, and passed from death unto life. Uh, The Bible said you must be born again, must be saved. So I appreciate all the singing, but I especially like that song. I want to spend a few moments this morning in the 23rd chapter of the book of Luke, and we are going to read beginning in verse number 39. And we'll spend a few moments with the thief on the cross. In Luke, the 23rd chapter, Jesus is being crucified. And the Bible tells us, in fact, let's, uh, let's go back a little bit. Let's start in verse 27. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming, in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified Him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided Him, saying, He saved others, let Him save Himself, if He be Christ, the chosen of God." And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. The superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. We'll stop reading there. I want to preach to you for a few moments on this saying of Christ from the cross. There were seven times that Jesus spoke from the cross. The first thing He said was, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. We read that in our text. I call that the word of advocacy. Christ my advocate. Praying for my forgiveness. I'm glad I have an advocate. Amen. The Bible said in 1 John 1 and 9. Uh, 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 first, excuse me. First John two and verse number one. The Bible said, "My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but for the sin of the whole world. So the first word that he spoke from the cross was a word of advocacy. The second word that he spoke, I'm going to call this morning the word of abundance. The word of abundance." And it may take us a moment to get there If we ever do get there But I want us to learn this morning That this thief asked something of Christ But he got more than what he asked for That's the way God always does He always gives us better than what we ask of him Paul put it this way He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all That we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us But I'm interested in this thief Now the first three times that Jesus Jesus spoke from the cross. There were seven but the first three he did not deal with his own life but with the needs of others. The first was for you and I and those around the cross praying for them to be forgiven. The second was for this man, this thief who needed uh, help from the Lord and the third was Jesus speaking to his mother and also to John. He looked down at his mother and he said woman behold thy son and then looked at the disciple and said behold thy mother. It was always Jesus way to put others first and himself last and that's the way it ought to be in the life of every Christian others first uh, and ourselves last but here we have this thief and I want us to I want us to examine him a moment and think about what he said now the first thing I want us to consider this morning is how what he did to get where he was I'll call it his abandonment of good what did he do to end up hanging on a cross in the first place why is he here? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Mark uh, that there was one named Barabbas which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with him who had committed murder in the insurrection. Most likely, this is one of those men that was with Barabbas and was a rebel. But what I what I found interesting was I began to look in the Bible about what how it describes this man. And it's an interesting thing that comes up. Now, there are several times Titles given for this man in the Bible. Uh, somebody said, Preacher, are titles important? I believe they are. If you came into the tent today and you'd never seen me before, you look over and you see that bald headed fellow in the black suit, and you say, I wonder who that guy is. And uh, you saw me over there, you didn't know who I was. And uh, maybe the pastor would walk over and he'd say, Hey, preacher, now you know something about me. You know something you didn't know before because of that title preacher Uh, if my wife were here and she would walk in and say hey sweetheart now you know something else about me I've got a sweetheart if one of my children was here and they walked over and said hey daddy now you know something else about me you know I have children all those titles tell you something about who I am and about my life what are the titles used for this thief in the cross well first one we've already mentioned it several times he's called a thief he's called a thief in Matthew 27 there were two thieves crucified with him one on the right hand and another on the left but when we read Mark Mark will call him a thief and something else Mark will say and with him they crucified two thieves the one on the right hand and the other on the left and the scripture was fulfilled which saith he was numbered with the transgressors but then Luke will say something else we read it here in our text and when they were come to the place which is called Called Calvary. There they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Now, John's going to say something about him. I'm going to save that until a little bit later. But Matthew calls him a thief, Mark calls him a transgressor, and Luke calls him a malefactor. Now, I want you to think about those three titles that describe this man. First of all, he's a thief. Well, you know what a thief is. Not too hard to figure out. I don't need to do much explaining. A thief is somebody who takes something that is not his. He has no right to it, but he takes it anyway and does what he wants to do with it. You wouldn't want a thief living next to you. You wouldn't want to spend time with a thief. You couldn't trust him. A thief is somebody who steals something that is not his. He doesn't have any right to it, but he takes it anyway. I would like to suggest to you that all of us, when we were lost, were thieves. Say well preacher I never went into a store And shoplifted I never stole money From anybody No but here's what The book of Revelation said That you were created For God's pleasure And your life was given you That it might glorify God And you and I Lived our lives For ourselves To glorify self We did what we wanted to do We went where we wanted to go We said what we wanted to say We dressed the way We wanted to dress We ate what we wanted to eat We spent our money The way we want to spend our money You know what we were doing? We were stealing what was not ours. You see, if you're living your life for self, you're a thief. Because your life belongs to God. Jesus paid for it on the cross of Calvary. You may not be saved, but it's His. It's His by uh, by creation. He made you, and He made you with this purpose that you might glorify Him. And a person that lives life for self is no better than a thief. But now wait a minute. He's called something else. He's called a transgressor. What is a transgressor? A transgressor is someone who crosses boundaries. In the Old Testament, Moses gives us, I believe the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. And in Numbers 14 and 41, Moses gives us an illustration of a transgressor. The children of Israel have refused to go into the promised land. And because they refused, God said, now you're going to wander in the wilderness. And so when they hear about the wandering, God said, your carcasses are going to die in the wilderness. And when they hear that, they change their mind. They said, all right, we're going to go up. Moses said, no, you can't go up. Up. God says no now. And here's what the Bible said. They answered it and he said wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord but it shall not prosper. What they done was God had put a line in the sand and they said we don't care what the line is. We're going where we want to go. Now think about it, friend. What they've done is they've crossed a boundary. You know what? You know what the world is filled with today? People crossing boundaries. God marks a line in this. I don't care what the line is. I don't care what the boundary is. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go where I want to go. I could preach all day on boundaries. I'll just mention a couple. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews, Marriage is honorable and all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And we have people today living together outside of wedlock. What is it? It's crossing the boundary. We've got men marrying men, or at least they're saying that's what it is. Women living in immorality. With women, what are they doing? Crossing the boundaries that God has set up. Uh, lust and all the things going on. What is it? Crossing boundaries. Now, here's the problem when you start crossing boundaries. Once you get started crossing boundaries, it's hard to stop, it's hard to find a place to quit. People get involved in pornography. They cross a boundary. They set their eyes upon things they shouldn't see. And they say, well, I'll only go this far. But once you cross a boundary... It's hard to stop at the next boundary. I know a young couple recently uh, that uh, got involved now. They got involved in social drinking. And uh, uh, had a picture on their Facebook of them sitting around with beers at a restaurant. Supposed to be born again Christians drinking liquor, drinking alcohol. And, uh, and, and you know what they said? They said, well, you have to know your limit. No, they've already crossed the boundary. The Bible said we're not even supposed to look at it when it's red and moveth of itself. That's the fermentation. We're not even supposed to look at it, let alone drink it. I was reminded in a tent meeting in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and I went in there to preach. There's two fellas that sit on the front row, and they would shout the house down. I'd get to preaching, Brother Jason. They would say, Amen, praise the Lord, preacher. Hallelujah, preach it, preacher. And so, uh, you know, I'd just read the Scripture, and they'd get excited. And so I said to the pastor, I said, who are those guys? And here's what he said to me. He said, those are two ex-drunkards. I said, tell me about it. He said, both of them were businessmen, had families, lived in fine homes, made made a good wage, and they started social drinking. And he said, they ended up both drunkards and lost everything they had, their families, their homes, everything. He said, now God saved them. And they'll be there, right there in those, in those seats, every service, shouting and praising God. But they never got back what they lost. See, when you start crossing boundaries, you say, well, I'm only going to go this far. But sin will never say to you, okay, that's enough. You start crossing boundaries. Now, what's the next word? We read it in our text. They were thieves. They were transgressors. But this is an interesting word. They're malefactors. I wondered what a malefactor was. And so I looked in my Bible to see if that word is used again and I found it in a very interesting place. When the chief priests brought Jesus to Pilate, Pilate wanted to know why they brought him. And here was their answer. If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up to thee. Now, they were lying. Jesus never was a malefactor. But that gives us a hint as to what the word malefactor means. They said, we had to deliver him up to you because we consider him a malefactor. Now, look up here. A thief is somebody who takes something that's not his. A transgressor is somebody who crosses boundaries. A malefactor is somebody who cannot be stopped unless they're bound they said he's a malefactor. We had to deliver him up to you. And when you read about a malefactor in the Bible, it's someone, I know they're lying about Jesus. It's not true about him. But if you're reading about a malefactor, it's somebody who has crossed so many boundaries. Nothing can stop him except he be bound. He's going to cross every boundary. He's going to keep on going. He has no conscience left. Nothing will stop him. He must be be stopped by another force. Somebody said, preacher, I hear these preachers preach about hell, but I don't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. You better read your Bible again. Because the Bible said whoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast, the Lamb's book of life, cast into the lake of fire. Somebody said, preacher, what's hell all about? Hell is for malefactors. The Bible said in Revelation, let him who is filthy be filthy still. What he's telling us is that after that white throne judgment, when those who have crossed so many boundaries and turned their back upon grace, they'll end up in hell and be bound there because there's no other way to stop them from continuing in their life of sin. If you die without Christ and go to hell, you will be what you are for eternity. You will have that same lust in you, that same same burning, that same drive, that same hunger for wickedness. You will have it throughout eternity. A malefactor. So here is a man. How did he end up on the cross? Well, he started by taking things that weren't his, his own life, and he crossed boundaries and he ended up in a place where he had to be bound because he is too dangerous To be let loose. So we have what he did to get there. Now there's another name for him. I'm going to give it to you in a moment. But I want you to see what he did when he got there. Here is his acknowledgement of guilt. He acknowledges that he's guilty something happens to this man I'm going to tell you it's the last moment it's the last hour it's the last chance but something happens to this man on the cross of Calvary let's read it verse 39 and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying if thou be Christ save thyself and us but the other answering rebuked him now wait a minute back in Matthew 27 when the chief priests were were mocking him and the soldiers were mocking him the Bible said the thieves cast the same in his teeth. But this man has had a change of heart. Aren't you glad God can give you a change of heart? Aren't you glad the gray, that grace where sin did abound? Grace doth much more abound. Aren't you glad there's an opportunity even in the last moment to repent and to be saved? This man has had a change of heart. He makes a confession. He says in verse 40 But other answer rebuked him Saying dost not thou fear God Seeing thou art in the same condemnation Now watch this And we indeed justly Did you know nobody ever got right with God Without confessing You say well I'll just keep it covered and, And get it right No you never get right without confession You say well who do I need to confess to Start with God Start with Him and if there's somebody else, I reckon he'll tell you about it. You say, well, I don't know. Do I need to tell my wife? Do I need to tell my children? Do I need to tell my husband? Do I need to tell whoever? You come to the altar. Get on your knees. Tell God the truth. Tell him exactly what's in your heart. Tell him the truth. Repent. Confess your sin to him. If there's somebody else that needs to know, he'll let you know. I was laying under my motor home one time. If you have a motor home, you'd be laying under it sometime. Trying to get it fixed. Trying to get it going. And my, I heard my phone go off and opened it up. And there's a text in there. And I looked at it and it said, pray for me. I'm in a fix. I'm in a mess. I knew the young man that texted it. And I knew he was in a fix. And I knew he was in a mess. And so I called him. I said, can I help you anyway? He said, are you home? I said, I'm home. He said, will you meet me at the church? I said, I'll be there in a few minutes. So I got to the church. And when I, I got to the church, right after I got the door open, he pulled in in his car. And he jumped out of that car and came running. He didn't even speak to me. He ran right by me. I had the door open. He ran right by me, ran down to the altar, fell down on the altar, started crying out to God. I got down beside him. I said, tell me what the problem is. And he started telling me. And I said, well, I already knew it. I just wanted to hear him say it. And I said, well, are you saved? He said, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saved. I said, well, let's find out. And I opened the Bible. I said, let's look in 1 John. And I had some verses I was going to show him. But he never did let me get to my verse. He looked down on that page and he put his finger on a verse. He said, there, right there, right there. That's me, right there. I looked where his finger was pointing and it said this. "Uh, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world. The love of the Father's not in him He said that's me I'm in love with the world And I don't love God That's me That's right where I am I said well I guess you know What you need to do And so he got down on the altar And he you know what he did And I didn't tell him to do this But he started confessing sin I'm te- I don't know if he remembered I was there or not He got pretty plain He started confessing What he'd been up to And telling the Lord How sorry he was And how wicked he was And how ungodly he was And he wasn't mincing any words I don't think he cared If he remembered I was there He was getting right with God And in a little while He said, Lord, I'm lost. I need to be saved. Will you please save me? And then he leaned back and he went, I said, Is everything all right? He said, God, just save me right now, right there at the altar. I'm telling you, you're going to have to tell God the truth if you're going to get right. He confessed he was guilty. He compared himself to Jesus. He said, This man here, he's done nothing amiss. He's not guilty. I'm guilty, but Jesus isn't guilty. He hadn't spent much time with him. He just heard him speak a couple of times. He probably was watching as they carried those crosses up that hill. He heard Jesus, probably what Jesus said to those women at Jerusalem about the sin and the green tree and the dry tree that we heard a little while ago. He probably heard when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I tell you, I bet he'd heard a lot of cursing. I bet he'd heard a lot of swearing. I bet he'd heard a lot of awful things. But when he heard Jesus speak, it did something in his heart, changed what he thought about things. And so he said, This man has done nothing amiss And then I want you to notice what he did Look in verse number 42 Look at it, look at it close And he said unto Jesus Lord, remember me When thou comest into thy kingdom Now look up here a minute If you'll study your Bible You will find out that Jesus died before either of these thieves died. They came and they were amazed that he wasn't dead. They had to, or, or, or that he was already dead. They came to break his leg and they, they realized he's already dead and they didn't have to break his leg. He died first. So look at me now. When somebody tells you this is Old Testament law, they're mistaken. Jesus died first. So we're in grace here. Amen. Now, I want you to notice what happened. This man knows he's done wrong and he wants to get right. And so he looks over at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And you know what? That was all he could do. Everything that religion says you must do to get right with God he couldn't do any of it. Say, well, i tell you, if you're you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to get baptized. He can't. Well, if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to take confirmation. He can't. If you're going to go to heaven, you have to take communion. He can't. If you go to heaven, you're going to have to turn over a new leaf. He can't. If you go to heaven, you're going to have to join the church. He can't. He can't do anything religion says he has to do to get saved. You know what he can do? He can do only one thing and it's the only thing anybody has to do to get saved and that's throw themselves on the mercy of Jesus come and trust what Jesus says and what Jesus did. He can't do anything else if you tell somebody they must do something else besides believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not preaching the gospel friend. You're not telling the gospel. This man could not do anything. That religion says he to do so what did he do he did the same thing I did <laughs> he told the Lord he's a sinner and asked Jesus to remember him to, to forgive if you study remember in the Word of God it's for God to take knowledge of you to take note of you and to reward you he's asking for forgiveness I remember years ago y'all remember brother John Mitchell and I remember brother John telling this story years ago he lived in Sylacauga Alabama And he came home one night from preaching and had an armload of books and he came up to the door and and the door was locked and he hit the doorbell and Miss Linda opened the door and and, uh, they talked for a moment and then she said, John, there's an old mangy dog out there and you know Robbie is allergic, their boy Robbie, and he's wheezing and he's having trouble breathing. You got to do something about that dog. So before he even went in the house, he handed her what he had and he got looking around down at the end of the Down at the end of the porch He saw a little dark spot And he walked down there And it was that old mongrel mangy dog That took up residence on the front porch Brother John said I looked at that dog and I said Dog I'm getting the pickup truck I'm going to put you in the back of the pickup truck I'm taking you to town To the dog pound And it's going to be the end of you he said, that dog looked up at him and wagged his tail. He said, I looked back at that dog and I said, Dog, don't you wag your tail at me. We'll get the pickup truck. I'm putting you in the back of the pickup truck. I'm carrying you down to town. I'm taking you to the pound. It'll be the end of you. And here's what that dog did. On that porch, he let his back legs hang behind him. He took his front legs and he dragged himself right over to the preacher's foot. And he laid his head on the preacher's foot. And he wagged his tail. Brother John said, "I looked down at that dog, and I said, "Dog, I'm not going to get the pickup truck. I'm not going to put you in the back of it. I'm not going to take you to town. I'm not taking you the pound. It's not going to be the end of you, but you're going to have to spend the night in the barn so Robbie can breathe. Now let me ask you a question. What did the dog do? What did he promise? What could he do for the preacher? Nothing. All he could do was throw himself on the mercy of that preacher. You know what I did on March the 10th of 1980? I knew I was a sinner. I threw myself at the mercy of God. I said, Father Jesus died for me. He died on the cross and he paid the penalty for my sin. I remembered, I remembered that preacher that that old fashioned independent fundamental Bible believing Baptist preacher leaned over the pulpit and pointed his finger at me in church and said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And on that Saturday night, I looked over at my wife and said, honey I'm lost. She said, I'm lost too. What do we? going to do I said let's do what that preacher said he said whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved let's do what that preacher said and we did what that preacher said we called on the Lord and he saved our souls and he'll do the same thing for you if you'll ask him you say preacher you think people ought to get baptized yeah but it won't get them saved you think people ought to be faithful to the church yeah but it won't get you saved You think people ought to do good? I do. The Bible said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. But we're created unto good works, not because of good works. We're saved by grace. Now here's the last thing. I want you to see what he got when he got there. Here's the abundance of God. He called on the Lord. And Jesus gave him more than what he asked for. Let's see what he said. He said, Lord, remember me. Now that's good to be remembered. But let's see what Jesus said. Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me. He said, remember me. Jesus said, no, just come with me. I'm not going to head on my way by myself and think about you every now and then. I'm just going to take you with me. I'm just, not going to, I'm just not going to consider you every now and then. I'm going to fellowship with you. Just come and go with me. So he said, remember me. Jesus said, no, I'll do better than that. I'll take you with me. And then he said, when? In other words, he's, re- he's implying that somewhere down the road when Jesus gets where he's going, he'll think of him. Jesus said, no, not when, today. How about today? Not just not just. I'm going to think of you. I'm going to take you with me. And not just someday when. Um, how about today? And then he said, when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, no, none of this kingdom stuff. We're going to paradise. Paradise is a lot better than a kingdom. You see what happened? He got more even than what he hoped for. And that's what God always does. He always does better even than what you're hoping he'll do. I remember Brother Billy Kelly telling about getting saved. He was at the University of Tennessee Auditorium. They were singing. The choir was singing. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. He said, I was up up in the upstairs. He said, I got thinking about fun I'd had. And he said, I realized I'd never had joy in my life. And I wanted that joy that Jesus would give And he said the Holy Ghost was a dealing with me A young fellow that he knew he played football with Stepped up and they called him Red They said Red where would you die if you went to heaven Or 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 where would you go if you you died And Brother Kelly looked at Red and said I'd go straight to hell where you're going Because you're a hypocrite He said well you may go to hell But you won't go where I'm going Because I got born again here last night I got saved last night And he said to him stick your foot out God will meet you halfway I've never told anybody that my whole life but that's what he said, Brother Kelly. said, I stuck my foot out in the other and followed it and he said I went down those steps and I ran down that aisle and I slid into that altar and I started telling God everything I'd done wrong and asked him to forgive me and to save me and he said "Uh, God saved me there and I got up and walked out he said when I went outside it seemed like the the trees were clapping their hands saying we're glad you got saved Seemed like the birds were singing saying we're glad you got saved he said I went home told him I got saved they said well he'd been drunk he don't mean it but he meant it and he went on and served God but he said one day I was rejoicing over not going to hell and I was reading my and found out I got to go to heaven on top of it he said I got more than what I asked for I'm going to tell you for these last 30 I think it's 37 years now somewhere in there God's given me more than I ever dreamed of he's been better to me than I could have ever hoped for it's because one day I called on him and asked him to forgive me my sin and he saved me and Jesus will do that for you now there's two or three things that I want us to think about, and I'll be done. First of all, some of you here lost without God, and you keep crossing boundaries. And one of these days you're going to cross the last one, and God's going to say, "That's enough. That's enough. No further." See, somebody said, well, preacher, I'll get saved when I'm ready. You better get saved when God's ready to save you. You better say yes to the Holy Ghost of God when He deals with you, lest you get to the place where you've crossed so many boundaries that that you're not able to sense the dealing of the Holy Spirit. Paul warns us about those that have had their conscience seared with a hot iron, and they no longer feel that prick. Of the Holy Ghost. But then I want to say this to you. I want to give you a little hope here. You say, preacher, I've been praying for so and so for a long time. I don't know who prayed for this man. But I know this. He got in just before it was too late. We never would have thought it. We'd have never looked at him on the cross. We would have said, well, there's no hope for him. But I'm going to tell you, God worked in his heart and saved his soul. Don't give up on your loved ones. And then I want to say this to you. When I read about him asking and God answering, it makes me want to go somewhere and pray and find out just exactly what God would do if I'd start asking him. Exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. I want you to bow your heads if you would, please. And while you're bowing, I want to remind you of one other thing. The song leader's going to come. We're going to get a verse of invitation. There was one other name the Bible used for this man, it's a very sad name. He's called Other. One Other. That's not a very good name. It's a name that doesn't mean a whole lot. And I think to myself, if he had died without Christ, he would have left no eternal difference for good in anybody's life. He would have just been other, a wasted life and wasted opportunities. Be a sad epitaph, other. Other. Just one of the others. Now our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you this. If you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Do you have a Bible reason? Could you say, preacher, I have a Bible reason to be able to say this morning under this tent that if I died right now, right this moment, I could tell you about a time and a place where I realized I was a sinner. I repented. I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sin and He saved me. I have a Bible reason to be able to say to you if I died right now, I'm as sure for heaven as I'm sure I'm sitting under this tent. I know I'm saved. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many could lift their hands and say, I know I'm saved. I got a Bible reason to be able to say, I'm on my way to heaven. I know I'm saved. I've trusted Christ. Thank you. Would there be somebody here this morning say, preacher, I don't know that I'm saved, but I want to be. Will you please pray for me? Is there anybody like that? You'd lift your hand and I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Anybody, I'm waiting a moment. I won't come to you. I won't call your name. I won't point you out. Say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. Or, I, I, I'm not sure I'm saved. I, I, I need to know the Lord. I want my sins forgiven. Please pray for me. Somebody like that this morning. All right, here's my other question. I'll be done. I want to be here. You say, Preacher, I'm burdened about somebody this morning that is not right with God. I know we, I know we all know people that are lost, but I'm saying this morning, there's a heavy burden on your heart for somebody that's lost. They need to know God. You're burdened about them. Would you lift your hand and say, would you pray with me, preacher? I'm burdened about somebody in particular right now that's lost without God. Thank you. Let's do this this morning. Our brother's going to lead us in a song. You may want to come thank the Lord for saving you. You may want to come. If you didn't raise your hand but you'd like to be saved, you come. But you may want to come say, now Lord, I know you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think and i know they have to make a choice as we heard in sunday school but lord i know you can hem them up you can bring holy ghost conviction you can put thorns in their way and hem up their relationships and bring them to a place where they'll want to call on you i know you can do that lord so let's pray for them a little bit this morning let's stand to our feet father we love you we thank you for loving us we thank you for our time under the tent. We thank you that you give us more than we ask for. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for a sure knowledge of heaven. I pray you'd bless now in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. We're standing. If you need to come, what are you going to sing, brother? Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. While we sing, you just obey the Lord.
1: I hear Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus made it all, all to him I owe. The crimson stain He washed it white as snow Lord now indeed I find Thy power and thine alone Can change a leopard spots And melt the heart of stone Jesus made it all sin and left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's land suspended all all to him my own sin had left the crimson stain he washed it white as snow and when before the throne I stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. I was uh, born again when I was 17, for a couple years,
0: I, I read my Bible, kind of visited around some churches, but I wasn't strong in my faith. and.